You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm your host, Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter for Cleveland.com, Mr. Chris Fedor. Chris, you just came back from the West Coast. You're Ooh. probably a little jet-lagged, huh? Man, yesterday was tough, bud. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> People, I'm sure, don't know this because they don't often go to Salt Lake City. But That's it is so difficult to get from Salt Lake City to Cleveland. I'm sure. So what is the what is the flight plan? Well, mine was because you have to keep in mind flights are limited these days. Yes. When I landed in the Hopkins yesterday night, there was one flight on the entire board, one Gosh. in Cleveland. So the the number of places that you can go through aren't uh, as available and those flights fill up more quickly because you know supply demand we learned that in business class right yeah so my route yesterday to get home was salt lake city to houston oof and then houston to cleveland i think i left salt lake city at 11 a.m that time and i got into cleveland around 8 30 cleveland time it was a long day man wow that's rough. And then, you know, going from Cleveland to Chicago, Chicago to L.A., L.A. to Sacramento, Sacramento to yeah. It's a not an easy road trip. So I'm sure you are thrilled to be back home. And it was a whole bunch of time changes, too, that yeah. really effed with me. Like, I had no idea what day it was. I had no idea what time it was. I almost missed one of the Cavs practice Zoom calls because I didn't do the math on the timing of it because they sent out Eastern time as well they should because, you know, most of the writers are still on Eastern time and the yeah. PR staff, a majority of the PR staff, still on Eastern time. But I did the math wrong, so I almost missed it. I got there late. So it was um, it was a crazy trip from that standpoint for me. I could not figure it out for the life of me. Excuse me. Wow. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. I was trying to hold it in as best I could. I couldn't You have it. a mute button. Use it. Do I? Yes. Jesus. Do, do I have a cough button? You don't have a cough button. This oh, I have a mute radio. button. You're right. Shoot. I'm sorry. I'm, that's, well, it, it's an, we, we have an authentic podcast here. People people sneeze. It's, it happens. But you're right. I, should, I did not. I forgot to put the mute button for a second. I was sitting here looking at the final scores from the Cavaliers road trip, which was not great. No. Uh, not great. Uh, 
you know, started off with a win against Chicago, which was big. We talked about that. Um, and then the Lakers, they took a loss to the Anthony Davis-led Lakers, or excuse me, Anthony Davis-less Lakers, the LeBron-less Lakers. And then a tough, tough, tough loss to the Sacramento Kings, one 198 Harrison Barnes with the winner there. And then I, another tough loss, the Utah Jazz, 114-75. to 75. At that point, Chris, I think that they were, you know, with all the injuries and everything, I think their, their starting lineup was just not, you know, they, with the way the Jazz are playing this year and everything going on with that, with in flux with their lineup and their injuries, I just yeah. was not surprised at all that that game did not go very well. How could you be? Yeah. I wrote in my game story that the game was over as soon as they landed in Utah. Yeah. And then exactly. it became more over when Larry Nance Jr. got an illness. Yes. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Their They're, starting lineup that night, for those who don't know, the starting yeah. lineup for the Cavaliers that night was Colin Sexton, or Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, Isaiah Okoro, and Isaac Okoro. Sorry, Isaac Okoro and Dean Wade. That yeah. was the uh, that was the starting five with uh, Torian Prince, Lamar Stevens, Damian Dotson off the bench, Broderick Thomas playing. Chetty Osman, I did do not or did not play coach's decision. Quinn Cook and Dylan Windler, much in the same vein. So, just not not the best lineup, not against a very good team um, in the Utah Jazz after you know a tough road trip. So you're right that I, I read your piece or you read your story, and that was exactly right. The minute they landed, that game was kaput. Their starting lineup, Hayden, it had an average age of 21.8. Wow. Gonzaga's starting lineup that is now in the final four is older. Really? Average age. Yes. Think that's, about that. That's an awesome stat, actually. Think about that. So, right. like, that's what they're working with. And, like, the reality is if you're going to judge this team on a game-by-game -game basis, you're going to drive yourself insane. And yeah. you're going to start making these proclamations that are emotionally driven. J.B. Yeah. Bickerstaff can't make emotional decisions. Kobe Altman can't make emotional decisions. Dan Gilbert can't make emotional decisions, although in the past he has made emotional decisions, and he is the variable that I think is very, very hard to gauge in an entire rebuild um, because losing is tough. It can wear on you. But the truth is, from game to game, given everything that the Cavs are dealing with, and the youth on this team, which is not an excuse, it's an explanation, it's the reality of where they are in this rebuild. On a game-to-game -game basis, they're going to be blowouts. There yep. are going to be good wins. We've seen that. They had some good wins before they went on this road trip. The beginning of the road trip, winning in Chicago, that was a good win, especially given the fact of where Chicago is in the standings, the 10th spot in the Eastern Conference, where the Cavs are in the standings about three games back of Chicago for that final play-in spot. That was a good win because that could matter if they're fighting for a play-in spot with Chicago. It could become a tie-break scenario. So there are going to be nights like that against the Bulls, and there are going to be nights like we saw against the Utah Jazz, and then there are going to be nights that we saw against the Sacramento Kings. So it's just like, if you're going to look at them on a game-by-game -game basis in a 72-game season, as a fan, you're going to drive yourself insane. I can I can completely understand what you're saying, and I agree wholeheartedly. But there are fans that watch every game, and some nights it can be very, you know, sure. frustrating and all that. I get it. 
Yeah. Man, like, you think it's easy for me to write gamers that are no. almost the exact same on a nightly basis? No, like, I get it. There is a level of frustration, right? There's a level of disappointment. There's a level of being upset. But, like, that's a natural reaction. And look, yes. there are members of the front office that feel the same way when they lose these games. I was talking, I was texting back and forth with one of them after they lost the Sacramento game the way that they did, and they were just broken. Yeah. It was hard. That was a tough loss, especially given the way that it happened. So those same emotions are going to be felt. It's competition. But, like, taking that and then making final judgments or taking that and then making proclamations about everything being bad or about everything in general – that's the difference, right? Right. A bad loss can just be that, Hayden. It can be a bad loss. Yes. And it yes. doesn't have to be any more than that. It doesn't right. have to be, well, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland don't work together. Well, Isaac Okoro was the worst pick ever for the fifth overall pick. Like, it can just be what it was, a bad 39-point loss to a significantly better team, the Utah Jazz, that some would say... Uh, I wouldn't say everybody, but some would say are one of the favorites to win the NBA championship this year. Yeah. And, I, you know, when back when in LeBron years, when even when the Cavs were one of the best teams in the NBA, there were still bad losses. You know, it's, it happens to every single team. There's not a team on in the NBA that doesn't have bad losses. And yep. given everything on, that they went through uh, on this road trip, I think the, the Sacramento loss was a tough one. And the oh. Utah loss was obviously Dang. just a bad one. So, um I still can't believe they didn't put anybody on the inbounder. Yeah. Well, I'm sure JB would look back and, and you know, it's a little bit of revisionist history there. But hindsight's 2020, unfortunately. Um, and that's the way that, you know, I'm sure there, every coach in the NBA makes decisions that they regret. And that's yeah. part of the reason you got to move on. You got to, you know, try to, you know, improve yourself as we all do in, in every aspect of our lives. You know, you try to improve yourself and try to not make the same mistake over and over again. Um but yeah, a difficult loss, a difficult decision, and just uh, you know, it, it probably did not bode well for that next game, regardless. <laughs> being it, being you know, with all the in, with everything that happened with Larry's <laughs> illness and whatnot, they they weren't going into Utah and beating Utah. No, there was just no way. I no. mean, <laughs> given the way that Utah was playing, given right. the way that the Cavs were playing, and given right. the way that Utah was playing at home too. Yes. I mean, Utah Utah is 35-11. and 11. They're 20-2 and two at home. Yeah, I think they've won 20 in a row at home. Really? Like they lost that. their first two and 20 in a row? Hold on. I need to look this up. I was talking to one of the members of, of the security staff. Yeah, they lost their first two at home against Minnesota and Phoenix, and they've won every game since then at home. The last time they lost in Utah was December 31st. Wow. And the Cavs, starting Isaiah Hartenstein without Jared <laughs> Allen— Without Kevin Love, without, without Matthew Dellavedova, without Larry Nance Jr., yeah. we're supposed to end that streak? No. There's on no, the last there's game no. of a road trip? Come on. No. Absolutely. No chance. There, it was over. No. It, but, I mean, it, plus a disheartened Cavs team after that tough loss to Sacramento. Right. Yeah, that into the fold, and it's just all, it's bad. It's all bad in that game. But the good news for the Cavaliers, I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. You know, with all things considered, I mean, three games in back of that 10 10- – 10th seed, uh, Chicago, 19-26, Cavaliers, 17-30. So it's not like, you know, I mean, I know the Cavaliers use the P word all the time. 
uh, the playoff word. Um, I think that, you know, maybe fans and maybe, you know, some are looking more towards the lottery, more towards, you know, next year already, but they're not out of it. There's no doubt they're not out of it. But, you know, now that I'm watching the NCAA tournament, um, you know, some of these young stars are intriguing and, uh, and you know, <laughs> there are certain ones that, that you kind of take a look at and you're like, oh, well, he might look good yeah. in a Cavaliers uniform. He might look good in a Cavaliers uniform. Right. Um, whether, you know, whether their team won or lost. So I, that's what I've been looking at, you know, recently. I've just been enthralled by the tournament. And, you know, I think it's obviously one of the most fun times of the year watching March Madness basketball. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm certain, I'm positive that the uh, Cavaliers front office is watching as much uh, as they possibly can. Oh, yeah. They were in Indianapolis. There's no doubt oh, about that. Yes. Uh, they were watching it in person. They were watching the conference tournaments as well. So they've been doing their due diligence. Um they understand that it is possible uh, that they're going to have another high lottery pick. Who knows where it's going to fall, especially with the lottery odds, which are just ridiculous these days. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they've done the work. They always do the work. That's one thing that you can say about this front office, that they're going to be as prepared as possible. Um, I think it's natural too, Hayden, for, for you to be looking at it the same way that you are and for fans to be looking at it that way as well. Um, you know, I think, I think we can all admit that given everything that has happened with this team and and given what they have, when it comes to this rebuild and the core pieces, the thing that they're missing, the glaring thing that they're missing is the focal point, the guy to build around. Um, you know, the first time that they lost LeBron, they were able to get Kyrie right away. Yep. And then they could build around Kyrie. Um, Kyrie was great. He accomplished a lot of things from an individual standpoint, but I think we saw even with that, that it's hard to build around that kind of player. I think we saw with the Golden State Warriors, even with somebody as transcendent as Steph, it is hard to build around uh, a small point guard. Um, you know, Chris Paul, what has he won at this point in time? And and he's great. He's a Hall of Famer. But, like, those kinds of guys are really, really difficult to build an organization around. You have to get so many things right around them for it to actually work. Um, yeah. Like signing LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, sure. Signing LeBron James, you know. Adding Kevin Love. Adding Kevin Love. Um, for In terms of the Golden State Warriors, like, putting together one of the most prolific shooting backcourts ever. Yep. You know what I mean? Like they added Clay Thompson to Steph Curry. Then they added Harrison Barnes and Draymond Green. And like, that was the most unique team, even before they got Kevin Durant, that was the most unique team that we had ever seen. And they were doing it a different kind of way than a lot of other teams. That's what it took. As great as Steph Curry is, that's what it took. So it's just hard when you're talking about trying to build around that kind of player. Um, And as good as Colin Sexton has been in his third year, as promising as Darius Garland has been this year, uh, bouncing back after a rickety rookie season, um, I think we can all say there's probably a limitation of where this organization could get to if they tried to build it around one of those two guys. And Chris, this is what I wanted to get into and you wanted to get to get into for sure. Um, you know, I, I lately, you know, be it the trade deadline, be it 
the just, you know, just kind of everything that kind of happened with Andre Drummond. Um, there has been some conversation about Kobe Altman. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily, I don't see it as like, I don't see it as like under fire. I don't see it as like, you know, people are calling for his departure. I don't see it as any of that. There's just questions about, okay, how are we grading? How are we judging what Kobe Altman has done? You know, it's kind of started before, you know, in LeBron's later tenure um, and then flipped, flipped over. And, you know, the, the, the thing that I the thing that I look to in terms of Kobe Altman mm-hmm. is that, yes, there have been some things that, you know, that you question marks here and there. But the bottom line, the bottom line, the bottom line to me, I think a lot of it. And this is going to see some people are going to get, you know, maybe not mad at me, but they're going to they're going to think like they're going to think that I'm making excuses. The Cavaliers with Kobe Altman have not been in that position. They, they just the the balls have the, the ping pong balls did not put go in their favor. Mm-hmm. And they have just not been able to get that transcendent top of the line, top tier player in the draft. And I think that is just made things so difficult for this rebuild that the Cavaliers are trying to put themselves through. And so for that reason, Kobe Altman, yes, of course, he deserves to be judged for his for his moves and for everything he does in his job. Absolutely. But some of the some of that is a little unlucky. Yeah, I mean, I think Hayden, that's a fair way to look at it. And and I think I think if you want to do it fairly and properly, it's you judge the individual moves. Yes. Because as we've talked about, as I've written about, this team is not ready for final judgment. It's it's no. essentially like buying a house, knowing that you're going to flip it, and putting it on the market before it's actually completed. Yeah. So you yeah. have to just take the individual moves that Kobe and this front office have made and ask yourself, okay, was that the right move? Was it the wrong move? Did they get it right? Did they get it wrong? And how you view it from that prism, I think, will will give you a better indication of what you feel about this front office and the level of belief that you have in this front office. And right. and look, like the truth is, they have gotten things wrong. Yeah, of course. Duh. There's no doubt about it. Um, you could argue that the Kevin Porter Jr. situation was mishandled, right? You can argue that because they didn't get anything for Andre Drummond, that was bad because they had been telling people that they were going to get something for Andre Drummond, that they weren't going to have to go the buyout direction. Um, You can also say that, you know, the whole Kevin Love situation, since signing him to that massive contract, you could say that that was wrong. I would argue the other way on that. I still do. But like, that's the way that you have to do it piece by piece move by move, independent of team result. Because team result is your entire team against the other team that you're playing on a nightly basis. Yeah. And the Cavs were picked to, to win 20 games this year. Like, that's the reality of what they came into this season with. That's the reality of um, where this rebuild currently is. Uh so, like, why are we measuring the final product when the final product isn't ready? 
that's a great point and i understand that completely um and i think that's again i think that's a fair way to look at it but at the same time i i'll play devil devil's advocate a little bit fans do get fans do get ornery they get you know when when the, the team is lost for you know two three years in a row and um you know it's just has not been there i mean there have been signs of good things but there's also been like you know a lot of fluctuation in certain players and um, you know, with the Kevin Porter Jr. situation, I think a lot of fans were excited about him and then that for that not to work out and then for him to find a new home in Houston. Like, you know, I'm not saying that it's all the Cavaliers, but, but I'm saying that there are reasons for why, you know, why fans are, are kind of like, OK, like, what are we doing here? You know, what are, it's it's impatience. It's every, every every knowing fans of every sport of Browns, Indians, Cavs, of all their teams. There's impatience. You want to win. You want to win now. But. And I know that you've always been a proponent of this team is, and you're right. And I, I, I agree with you. You have to wait this thing out. You have to wait this thing out. This, they're not ready yet. It's not done yet. They have, you know, they, there's going to be a point in time where it is, but it's not yet. But that being said, you know, for for the the everyday fan who says, well, why can't they just like, why can't they find somebody? Why can't they like do something to to you know put themselves in a better situation to show, you know, real progress? I mean, and I would argue that there are there is real progress, but um it's just like they're kind of they're they're really enigmatic and maybe it's because just like they're not done yet i i just i've seen a lot of cavaliers teams and some you know during the Kyrie irving years were bad but like you had that glimmer of hope with with Kyrie irving because he looked like he was going to be a star and he ended up being a star and then you know i and i will say this colin sexton for as good as he's been i just i don't know if i see star you but know then neither do they right like, right. Exactly. There's no delusion that they're going to build this franchise around Colin Sexton, an undersized two guard. Yep. They don't believe that. They right. don't see him as the franchise centerpiece, as the guy to build around. They don't see him as the number one in this rebuild. Maybe the two, maybe the three. Who knows? That remains to be seen. I think that absolutely remains to be seen. And it's going to be up to Colin because each time anybody tries to put a limit on him, he just keeps coming and coming and coming. And his numbers in year three are similar to Donovan Mitchell in year three. And his yeah. numbers in year three are better than Jamal Murray at the stage of his career. So like Colin keeps coming and he keeps, I think, changing the view or potentially changing the view about what he can be for this organization moving forward. But nobody, everybody, is as much as there is support for Colin and the front office really likes him, and it's something that the front office can stand on, getting that pick right, um, nobody in that front office sees him as the guy. Right. They need the guy. They don't have the guy. Everybody in the front office recognizes that they don't have the guy. It could come in this year's draft. And if it comes in this year's draft and they get lottery luck, suddenly just from one pick, and this is why it's so ridiculous to me, suddenly from one pick, the whole complexion of the rebuild changes. Yep. You're right. No, you're absolutely right about that. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I said before. They just haven't had the lottery luck that they've needed to really get the guy to start building around. But, um, so but like I think if you so I think if you look at it Hayden it's like what have they done wrong? If you go piece by piece what have they gotten wrong? Okay, so the Kevin Porter Jr thing that they got that wrong, right? Like that was a setback to the rebuild. Of the things that matter, 
if we're looking at it through the lens of what matters in a rebuild, the Kevin Porter Jr. is a setback. Yeah. We, we can all admit that. Yeah. No matter the why on that sort of thing. Definitely. And I think there are logical reasons why they moved on from the John, the John Beeline hire. <laughs> the John Beeline hire? Absolutely. They got that wrong. Yeah. What else? Um, I mean, we mentioned the Drummond thing. I don't think, I don't even think that, like, that was That doesn't wrong. matter. Yeah. That doesn't, that's really that's optics. That's um, optics that's very, very small. That doesn't do anything when it comes to the complexion of a rebuild. No, you're right. Um, it doesn't hold them back in any sort of way. Yeah, and that's the thing. I just I don't I don't think you're wrong. I don't think I'm not saying it's I'm not like saying Kevin Love. There's a debate. Yeah, there's, there's a debate the, because it's like, has his one hundred twenty million dollar contract prevented them from maybe making other moves um, around this team that could have been more impactful than what Kevin has brought yeah. um, in the first couple of years of that extension? Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's a good okay, one. Okay, so what else? Uh, there's no, you're right. There's really nothing. There's nothing glaringly wrong, other than those couple of things. I mean, you know, every those are those are pretty significant things. But like, you're right. I mean, you know, the Colin Sexton pick was, you know, is obviously panning out for where where they were. I mean, the Darius Garland obviously pick is, panning out. Like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Obviously panning out. It's not like they took Mo Bamba, like the Orlando Magic did. Could you imagine right. if Kobe Altman took Mo Bamba? Right? Could you right. imagine if Kobe Altman took Wendell Carter Jr.? Yeah. Okay, he didn't. He took Colin Sexton, who was in all-star consideration this year. And yeah. sure, maybe you can sit there and say Michael Porter Jr. You can sit there and say Shea Gilgis Alexander. But for the eighth overall pick, that's what that I'm is a that's what I said. That is a massive hit. Yes, that's what I said. It's, it's obviously panning out. Obvious, it's a little bit more than panning out. With the okay, eighth overall right. pick, they got somebody who was an all-star consideration. With the eighth overall pick. Okay, all right, all right, fair, fair, fine. Then I'll say, like, the Darius Garland pick was panning out, is maybe panning out. Yeah, I mean, I think that one's working well. Like, who okay. should they have taken instead of him? No, 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 I'm, that's Hold what I'm up. saying. Hold no. it up. No, I'm saying, like, for oh. the people that are talking about the Darius Garland pick, um... That's how you have to do it, right? If, if we're going to talk about Kobe Altman's resume, if we're going to talk about his draft record and whether you should have faith in it, okay, so go through that draft. Go through the Darius Garland draft right now and ask yourself um, who the Cavs should have taken instead of Darius. There's not one person that I would have taken ahead of Darius. Not one? You maybe, one. maybe... Maybe Rui, but maybe Hero. Hero has been awful this year, yeah, by the way. That's true. Awful. Horrendous. And look, I like Tyler Hero, but could you imagine? Could you imagine if Darius Garland was having the same kind of year as Tyler Hero? What the no. conversation would be? Oh, about. goodness, it would be bad. Right. It'd be really but Tyler bad. Hero's been awful. Yeah. And, and people don't recognize that because he had a good bubble and because yeah. he had a good rookie season. So I think that can be a memo to everybody that is right now tearing apart Isaac Okoro because Isaac Okoro isn't better than Tyrese Halliburton right away or because Isaac Okoro isn't better than, I don't know, 
insert rookie that's playing better than Isaac at this point in time. Because at, at this time last year, it was all about Tyler Hero, right? Yeah. It was all about P.J. Washington, those kinds of guys. But what's the conversation now? In year two, is Tyler Hero better than Darius Garland? No. Correct. Correct. Tough to make that ar- tougher to make that argument. argument. Yeah. So it's like I mean, just because Ty- Tyrese Halliburton right now this year is playing better than Isaac Okoro, it doesn't mean that next year it's going to be the same. It just means right now Halliburton is better and more NBA ready. And who knows? Maybe he's better for the rest of his career. Maybe that's the way that it goes. But at this time last year, Tyler Hero was better and more prepared for the NBA than Darius Garland for a variety of reasons. Absolutely. But after one year in the NBA, after an offseason of development, now look at the two. It's a lot closer, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. 100%. And you're right. I mean, it's about, you know, it is about time and guys mature at different rates and guys are older and more NBA ready for sure. I think the Okoro pick... um, like I, I think it was a, a a very decent or a decent pick for sure, um, and it's just there's no you can't judge it based on just one year. You can't judge it based on this weird. And we've talked about this. He had no NBA. He had no off season. He had no time to get ready. He had no time to do anything because of the pandemic. The Coro pick, I'm gonna take. Uh, it's gonna be even longer for me to judge that pick. You know what I mean? Just with everything in terms of this draft. So I can't. I I'm not even gonna take a look at that for another. Goodness, year at least year, you know, halfway through next season, because again, that gives him, you know, hopefully a full off season, and hopefully they're not pandemic, uh, <laughs> you know, stricken again going into next year. So, plenty of time there. And again, I like I said, I, I again, there, if if the Cavaliers were in a position where you know they had the number one, two, or three pick in the last two drafts or in that last three drafts, I mean, it's going to be completely different. You look at the twenty nineteen. We've talked about this ad nauseum. You know, the 2019 draft, it was a three-player draft, and the Cavaliers land fifth. <laughs> you right. know, the 20, 2018 draft, Cavaliers it was supposed land... to be a It was supposed to be a seven-player draft, by the right. way. Right. The 2018 draft, which that yeah. was wrong because Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, you know, you look at Luka Doncic, you look at, you know, uh, Trey Young. I mean, Shai, even, you know, some of these other Shy. guys that have done Shay. Shay, sorry, it's Shay. I was reading it, Shay. You are I'm a big, master mispronouncing things. I am, I am, I am. I Because I read it and then I just like don't, it doesn't like go into my brain. It doesn't process, I get it. It doesn't process, for sure. Yeah. No, but I'm with you, I'm with you. Uh, with, I guess. Like not guess, everything is great and we get that. Not everything is great when it comes to the Cavs. But the bottom line is, in year three of a rebuild, There is a core four of Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Isaac Okoro, and then Larry Nance is the fifth of that core, right? That is a starting caliber core, right? That is a, I would say, top half of the NBA core of young players. Yeah. Now, I think the debate is how good can that core be? What's the upside of that particular core? But in year three of a post-LeBron life, um, they have a good, like, at the very least, we can say that they have a good start and a good core. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
And that no. doesn't change. Hayden, if they go on a 25-game losing streak, that doesn't change. Yeah. No, you're right. No, it doesn't change. It does not change at all. I think that's. I think the hardest thing, and I think I just kind of realized this, um, or just kind of like this kind of just came into my mind is is why it you know why it's a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. And you, because we were talking about Kyrie, we've talked about you know Cleveland since. So obviously the LeBron era since two thousand two two thousand three since since that era of basketball, Cleveland has been used to building around a star pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you went from LeBron to Kyrie. And that was what? That was a good, you know, I'm really bad at math, 12, 10, 12 years of just like star building around a star. And then LeBron comes back and then you have those four years. So it's been like almost nearly 15, 20 years since, since Cleveland has had to like not do it that way. And I think it's just hard for fans in Cleveland to be like, well, we've we're, they're so accustomed to building around a young rising star that I think this this group is doing it kind of backwards, where you're kind of having a lot of like good pieces, but you don't really have that main piece. And that's not to say that main piece can't come, but and and they need it to come. But I think that's a little bit why some fans are frustrated. It's like okay, we have all these like decent pieces, but where is our guy? I mean, I have no idea to be honest with you. I I don't know. Like, beyond the nightly frustration with losing by double digits, which is hard on everybody, I honestly don't know why people are frustrated. Seriously, I don't. They have 17 wins already. They're ahead of last season's pace. They've got the second or third most missed games due to injury. And a lot of those injuries have been key players, right? It's not like the 15th guy on the on the roster or the 11th guy on the roster or something along those lines. We're talking Larry Nance Jr. has missed a big stretch. Kevin Love has played like pfft, a game in 20 minutes or something well, along those lines. Well, you want to talk about fr- you want to talk about frustration? <laughs> all I ever hear about is Kevin all I ever hear about from my friends and from people Kevin Love stealing money, Kevin Love, you know, doesn't want to play, Kevin Love this, Kevin Love that. And again, we've talked about this at not we've talked about this a lot too. Kevin Love, it's not that he doesn't want to play. We, I I think we both promised that. But there there's a lot of frustration because he's paid a lot of money and he, sure. you know, there's an expectation when you pay somebody a lot of money that they should be producing. And a lot of people are like, well, he has this calf injury, you know, it's, it's not a real thing. And he's, you know, he's just kind of like, they don't know. They're looking at it from an outside perspective and there's less, like there's less access to the locker room than ever. So it's kind of like, they don't really hear from him. And it's just, I think that, you know, that plays all into it. I think you know who else is frustrated. Yeah. You know who else is frustrated? Kevin Love. Exactly. Exactly. You think he wants to be missing out on these games when he's finally on a team that can be somewhat competitive? Sure. No, of course. And I'm with you. That's one thing I'm 100% with you on. I don't – I'm not a big fan of the, oh, Kevin Love stealing money. Kevin Love, you know, is not – you know, he's not trying as hard as he's not trying to play. You know, I think people just get frustrated with, you know, that he he has been injured and that, you know, I think – they forget as 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 he's talked about many times that athletes are are real people too and they deal with struggles like everyone else and you know sometimes injuries just like you said i think it's as frustrating as anything when you can't you know for all the talk and and i know i'm i'm equating this to a different sport 
But there's a lot of talk about Greedy Williams. Oh, what, well, what's going on with Greedy Williams? Right. Why can't Greedy, Greedy Williams? He, you know, he has a shoulder injury, but he can't play. He's soft. He stinks. Get rid of him. Right. And then you find out what the real story is, and that he right. has, you know, he's basically had a dead shoulder for an entire year. And then you're like, okay. So it's, you know, I understand both sides of the spectrum, but um, I am certainly with you. But that's, I think, that's another big. Um, big issue that the fans are feeling right now is, is the Kevin Love issue. And I think that that goes back into Kobe Altman giving him the contract. And then that goes into, well, is Kobe Altman doing a good job? It's all kind of interconnected. You know how many games Anthony Davis has missed with a calf injury at this point? Yeah, no. And I was so talking far. to some, um, I don't know the exact number, but I was talking to somebody about guess. that. I, I was talking about that exact same thing. I was like, well, Anthony Davis has a calf injury again. And it's, it's about Take the Achilles. It's not really about the calf. Take a guess. Oh man, how many games so far? Goodness, you're putting me on the spot. Uh, I'm gonna say like 16 to 18. 19. Ah, so close. <laughs> and he just recently resumed basketball activities. Yeah. So he's probably looking at at least another couple weeks. So then that could grow to around 30 by the end of it. Maybe even more than that. Who knows? Yeah. Anybody going to say that, like, AD's stealing money? Anybody going to say that AD doesn't want to play? AB, AD doesn't, AB, that's good. AD doesn't yeah. love basketball? No, I just, I don't, you know. I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm on, I want to say This has something. been a really, really difficult injury for Kevin. That's the bottom line. And I, I think wanna, he is really worried about, his Achilles rupturing as a result of this. Yeah. And then I want to say ending. something and I think I'm going to say it. Like, I really believe, and I know that a lot of people are definitely in the same, like, they, they, they think the way that I think. I think they think that, you know, what Kevin Love did in coming out with his mental health stuff was incredibly, you know, great and awesome. And he's helped so many people. I still think that a lot of it, a lot of people, don't buy it. Hmm, interesting. I think a lot of people don't buy it, and I think for that reason, they get upset because they, you know they're like, "Oh, he's soft. He's this. He's that." And he's or 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 they buy it, but they think like, "Oh, he's soft," and he you know because he did that, he showed he's like vulnerable, and hmm. you know so what you know I, that's just maybe me having been in that like kind of understanding where that comes from. So, I mean, maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's part of the frustration. That may be, may, may, may be more of a conspiracy than, like, fact. But, you know, you never know. You never know. I've just – I've talked to people, you know, and some of them, and mostly maybe not my age range, maybe a little older, that aren't as – you know, that weren't really born and raised in this kind of new age of, you know, maybe not always being, like, locked down and, and – mm -hmm. And your thoughts not, you know, you're allowed to express yourself more these days, I think. So it could be part of it. I'm just saying there's a lot of different, you know, things that and but uh, but at the same time, other people have said, you know, I love what Kevin Love does on off the court. But like, I wish he could do it on the court. And I'd say and I say to that, well, you don't don't you think he could? Don't you think he wishes the same thing? Yeah. You know, he's played basketball his whole life. He loves the game. I mean, he's right. Put his whole life into it and not playing. You think that's part of it? 
I mean, speaking of Kevin, he participated in practice today. He's going to be evaluated by the medical group, and I think the Cavs are going to see how he responds tomorrow, and then they'll kind of go from there. But of everybody that I've talked to inside the organization, they've they've said the same thing. They're done guessing when or trying to nail down a time when Kevin is going to be right, when his body feels right, uh, when he's as close to pain-free as possible, then he's going to be out there. Um, there isn't anybody inside the organization that believes that Kevin has played his last game already of the 2020-2021 season. It's just a matter of when he's able to get back out there and be as pain-free as possible. So who knows? Yeah. It could be soon. Yeah. Tomorrow night, Cavaliers taking on the Philadelphia 76ers at uh, Rocket Mortgage. I almost said Quicken Loans Arena at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Um so what do you have the speaking of injuries? So Matthew Delavadova also JB Bickerstaff kind of um, talked about him a little bit today, said he's feeling good, said uh, they're going to evaluate. Hopefully that he'll be back tomorrow night. That would be a very welcome addition um, for a lot of reasons for the Cavaliers. Um, Larry is dealing with this illness. Any idea what it is or just kind of, a you know, general. Yeah, but I'm not going to say like it's oh, just okay. I, I think it's just some kind of flu-like thing yeah that is not covid related yeah right no <laughs> believe it or not you can still get other things than that's COVID. the thing like you you think that you're immune to everything because you're walking around wearing a mask or two masks and you're using right. hand sanitizer all the time right. and there's no way for these germs to spread and things along those lines um but but i think it's obviously something that kept him out of the Utah game. It kept him out of practice today. Um, I spoke to somebody yesterday, said that Larry wasn't really feeling better yesterday. Even a long flight probably didn't help either. Yeah, geez. I mean, that's you got to think, think about that. Too. In, I think they got in at 5.15 in the morning or something along those lines. Yeah. So those kinds of things aren't helping. T- change in temperature was really funky on this road trip, too. I think that might play into it a little bit. Um, But the best news is that from everything that I've been able to gather, everything that J.P. Bickerstaff has already said, it's not COVID related. Yeah, I don't think they, you know, obviously I think that would be in the health and safety protocols if that was the case, right? Right. Right, And then Dylan didn't practice today. I reported yesterday that Dylan is dealing with some pain in his knee and he got evaluated yesterday by the doctors. There hasn't been an official word from the Cavs on what that evaluation showed. So I guess we just have to be patient with that. Um, a source told me that Dylan was out of the rotation anyway um, because they wanted to start giving those minutes to guys who were earning them. That was Lamar Stevens. That was Broderick Thomas. Um, J.B. Bickerstaff said at the very beginning of the season, Hayden, that minutes have to be earned here. It has to be about accountability. And even though Dylan is a first-round pick and he's a rookie going through these growing pains, he wasn't helping them on the court. And I think there were other guys, same thing with Jetty Osman, and there were other guys at that position that were ready to play, that were stepping up when their name was called, and it's just really hard position for JB to be in because, yeah, he wants to see Dylan out there. They're invested in his development and his growth. Uh, Jetty Osman has been a starter in the past, so taking him out of the rotation isn't I, isn't like an easy thing to do either. Yeah. Um, 
But if if everybody can see, including us and the players, that Lamar Stevens is making a positive impact when he's out there, right? Like, how do you continue to go back to Dylan or Jetty in favor of Lamar? It's just a really bad look. You can't afford to do that if you want to hang on to this locker room. So everything that I was told is that that is why Dylan was getting those DNPs more so than the knee soreness. Yeah. And then the knee soreness just came on top of that. Yeah, that makes sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, you put the guys on the floor that um, that are giving you the, the that are giving you the success that you want to see. I mean, you know, they're giving you, yeah. you know, the effort, the energy, the production. I mean, that just that's. At sports, uh, they don't care. Right. They don't care who you. Are. They don't care who you are. As long as you're producing and helping the team, I mean, they'll put you out there. That's yep. doesn't matter what sport you're playing. Yeah. Um, any, then, any update on Jared Allen, by the way? And no, the, no, mm-hmm. he just didn't participate in practice today. Yeah, it's a concussion, right? So yeah, we've talked about this before. They don't have. have specific timelines. We have just how quick you can recover. One guy is different than the next guy. A history is going to play a big role in how quick a guy recovers, where the hit was too. That's going to play um, a factor. How hard the hit was, that's going to play a factor. So there are just way too many variables when it comes to concussions to really nail down a specific timeline. Yeah, it's exactly. Tough loss I mean, though. Because yeah, for, yeah. We've discussed how big of an impact he's had on this Cavaliers team for well, sure. Not only that, I mean, the only other guy that is a true center on this roster now is Isaiah Hartenstein, who is more a raw, developing 22-year-old guy, not a stabilizing presence like JaVale McGee. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, um, I had something, and I just lost it. But oh, the Cavaliers, the, the Cavaliers. I mean, they're the, the guys that are out right now. It's a lot of veteran guys. It's a lot of veteran presence. It's a lot of yeah. yeah. It's just you know, and it's it's going to be tough until you know you get a couple of those guys back. I mean, again, we'll see what happens with uh, with Kevin Love tomorrow. We'll see what happens with Delhi tomorrow. We'll see if Larry Nance Jr. doesn't feel better soon. But Jared Allen. I mean, oh, this is what I was going to say that you know Mel- Matthew Delvadova has been out since the, literally before the season, you know, in the preseason. So hopefully that's not the case with Jared Allen, um, but concussions are like snowflakes. <laughs> you know, don't take that from me. Don't take that as yours. <laughs> no, no, that's yours. no, no. Well, you took that from someone. Well, yeah, somebody who told me that okay, I could. Well, you told me. Somebody so I'm not taking yes. it from you. <laughs> I'm not taking it from you. I'm just borrowing it. You can have it back. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm not stealing it from you. Do you know the last time Delhi played in a regular season game? Oh, boy. That's a great question. March 10th, 2020. Okay, so it's been over a year. Wow. Isn't that crazy to think about? That is crazy. I thought it was going to be longer than that, but yeah, that makes sense. No, the last game of the season before the pandemic hit. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's a long time to not play the sport you love and the sport you've been invested in for so long. I mean, yeah. and, and when part of it is, you know, is not really your, um, you know, your fault with the pandemic you know, or not your fault, but not like, you know, not nothing that, right. you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm just saying like, you know, it's, it's difficult when it's kind of out of everyone's control. But, and shoot, man, he could help a lot. On oh, this yeah. group. Not oh, just yeah. his leadership and his stability, but his passing 
This might be the worst passing team I've ever seen in my life. The Cavaliers. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's not like a, you're right. I mean, Darius is the best passer they have. And even he has moments where I don't know what he's thinking on some of these passes. Definitely more of a shooter. Definitely more of a shooter than a passer. Yeah, but he has shown a lot of growth as a passer. For him to bump up already to 5.7 assists per game in his second year in the NBA, surrounded by guys who really can't consistently make shots from the outside, that is a big step in the right direction. And he is, I think he has shown better vision than a lot of people gave him credit for coming into the NBA. And believe it or not, Colin Sexton is second on this team in assists, 4.2. But Yeah, I mean... Yeah, go ahead. But overall, this team just, I don't know. They don't do a lot of things well right now, and and passing is one of the things that really needs addressed. Yeah, and they don't have much practice time. I mean, some, but it's just been, you know, and they're not, you know, I know that game experience is certainly going to help, but but you we mentioned this before, that practice time is – is what's going to help them get better. That's going to help right. these little things, the, the the fundamental things. Like passing is such a fundamental thing. That's not really, you know, it's not, you can you can work on that and you can really improve on that, you know? So they need that practice time. And think about this, Hayden. The other night against Utah, um, the guy who led them in assists was Isaiah Hartenstein. Yeah. In his yeah. first game with the team, Zero practices, one shoot around, zero pairs of underwear, and he led them in assists. (laughs) I saw that. I heard that that was great. Socks, underwear. (laughs) Yeah. He led them in assists with seven. And kudos to him because he showed off a skill that it was like, whoa, wait a minute. This dude can pass? Hold on here. We might have something with running a little bit of the offense through him. You can do some dribble handoff stuff. You can give yeah. it to him at the elbow, see if he can initiate that sort of way. For him to have seven assists, that was like, whoa, okay, eye-opening. We might have something here. Uh, at the same time, it was a bad reflection of the Cavs that that guy in his first game was the one who led the team in assists. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of it. The, the thing with him going in was, uh, you know, it was more so the pick-and-roll stuff that's kind of his game, so... Maybe it'll be something that they explore. You know, I mean, what better time than right now with Kevin and Larry and out? Go, go see what you can do. I mean, I know you're trying to win games, but I mean, heck, you know, at this point, (laughs) it's as much as trying to develop these guys as anything. So, you know, it's it's a good time to do it. Um, Well, Chris, if there's if there's anything that you got, oh, and I shoot, I did forget to mention, and I apologize to you folks out there. Um, maybe I'll mention it or I'll put it higher up in the uh, in the post t- this time. Um, definitely go sign up for Chris's subtext, three ninety nine a month. We were just having such a good conversation that it, that it skipped my mind. Yeah, um, three ninety nine a month. Uh, you can sign up for Chris Fedor's subtext. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash calves and you will see the blue banner at the top of the page. All you got to do is put in your phone number and sign up that way. Again, a 14-day free trial. Um, you'll get all kinds of insight, analysis, news, notes, and everything that you need from Chris Fedor, our Cavaliers beat reporter for cleveland.com. He is following the team all over the country, uh, including this recent West Coast trip, which was a little bit brutal. 
Um, but again, no better person to get you your information straight to your phone, all the Cavs news, notes, analysis, insight that you need right from the source. So again, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. Go to cleveland.com slash Cavs and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Chris, if there's anything else outside of that that you would like to uh, discuss Speak now or forever hold your peace. No, I wanted to give an example of one of the subtexts that I Perfect. sent recently. Love it. Yes. So it was you. shortly after the Sacramento game. I said, good morning from Sacto, headed to Salt Lake City shortly. Thought it was a perplexing decision for J.B. Bickerstaff to not have anyone guard the inbounder late. Giving a great passer an unobstructed view is going to create a better shot attempt. Also, why was Larry Nance Jr., one of their better defenders, guarding Rashawn Holmes, 85 feet away from the basket or something. There was no chance that he was going to be involved in a play with 1.6 seconds remaining on the clock. And saying that, full disclosure, I didn't make it to post game in time last night to talk with JB. I had to rewrite my gamer four different times based on what happened and the timing just didn't work. I would have asked him why I didn't have the opportunity to ask. So that's what uh, people got shortly after the game from Sacramento a thought that I had about the game that obviously wasn't going to make my gamer or my column because I was going a different direction, but I thought it needed to be addressed. Yes. So that's the kind of good stuff. I mean, again, you know, you'll, you'll get the full story, the full story from the subtext. I mean, you know, everybody there, there, everything, things happen all the time. Again, as Chris said, rewrote his gamer four times. That's happened Many times in the past with, you know, last minute buzzer beaters. A little too beaters. many for my liking. Yeah. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, last minute butter beaters are, are two, you know, late comebacks and stuff like that. It completely changes everything. So yeah. what better way to get the, again, the real story than by to sign up for those texts. Um, in the meantime, Chris, uh, the baseball season starts tomorrow. Um, so that's, I know we're big baseball fans, so that's yes. exciting. Um, no try. Can I yeah. still say that? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I think At what maybe, point does that stop? Oh, man. I think we can still say that. Yeah, I think you can. You know, I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if that'll ever stop. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they're still technically, right, the Cleveland Indians. So, yeah, until they're not. Well, they're not. Until they're the Cleveland Captains or the Cleveland Guardians. Commodores. 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 All right. All right. Admirals. Something aquatic. Something to play off of Lake Erie. I don't know if you want to do that. There can yes, be some you bad, do. There can be some bad ones. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I know. I, I listen like to it. them all. I like Captains, it. Admirals, Commodores, Shores. I think the Cleveland Shores would be interesting. If they I want like to hire it. me for marketing, I'm, I'm available there was, in the there office. Was one, there was one that I really liked. Um, None of those? No, I know. I, I mean, I, those are all. Even then, man. I had a good a Cleveland uh, shoot. I forget. I forget what it was. Was it uh? Was it aquatic? Yes, it was aquatic. Oh, okay. It's like the Cleveland like caps for white caps for waves or something. I don't know. That's not bad. Something like that. Not bad. I've heard better. I've yeah, heard worse. No, you've heard better, including the ones that you just mentioned. <laughs> I've also heard worse though. So. Oh my gosh, there are some really bad ones. It's. You know what? And I know that it's. I know that the name change is a serious issue, and I'm not trying to make light of it. But it is kind of fun thinking about thinking of names and stuff. You know, thinking yeah. of 
what the what you know because logos are well that's the thing is that this is a serious issue and logos are supposed to be and nicknames are supposed to be kind of fun and, and creative and you know they're supposed to reflect your city and your you know the team so it'll be exciting it'll be exciting they'll pick i hope they'll pick something good i hope it's not too generic i'm not a big fan of spiders i think it's a little i don't like that one yeah, I think it's a little just like, okay, you can find spiders anywhere in the United States. <laughs> Trust <Right>. me. <laughs> so Right. I don't love Guardians either. Yeah, it's just that's a little too hyper-local, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, anyway, Again, whatever the it is. Things that, the things that this city is known most for, play off of that. Just yep. don't go guitar. Nope. We have way too much of that already. So what's yeah. the other thing? We got Lake Erie right here, right on the lake. Play off of it. Come on, you can do it, Indians. Or try. Well, okay, well, what about Cleveland the, the Cavaliers? They're, the Cleveland Cavaliers, I mean, now it's kind of, you know, yeah. now it's now it's part of the city. But the Cavalier, before the Cavaliers, well, you know, there wasn't really much of a, I mean, nothing about Cleveland is really no. Cavalier. <laughs> no, there really wasn't, but that's okay. <laughs> but you know but that's the thing now at this point yes the cavaliers are very much associated with the city of cleveland and Cavs because of the, the the great history of the franchise so who knows whatever it'll be it'll be and that'll be uh that'll be good until then chris um enjoy uh this homestand enjoy the uh start of the baseball season enjoy even better enjoy the weather that seemed i know tomorrow is going to be bad but after that it, it just it's it's slowly getting there slowly but surely we're getting there like tomorrow it's supposed to snow but then friday sunny and then you're starting to see 60s 50s you know so it's almost to snow spring. tomorrow are you serious you didn't oh you've been out of town yeah oh yeah we're supposed, town. i have we're not supposed, been mentally prepared for this we're supposed to get like some lake effect uh, oh. Oh, no. oh yeah it's it's not good it's not good. yeah all right everybody thank you so much for joining us we appreciate it this is the one and gold talk podcast we will talk to you next week for chris fedor i am hayden grove we will talk to you later take care